Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Can you say it again? I love you. No, say it like. I. <laughs> I, I love you. Say it same time. Okay. I, I love, love you. you. <laughs> say, say it again. I, I love, love you. you. I love you. All right, lovebirds, break it up. I'm Shamita Basu, and this is Work It, the podcast, a compilation of the best moments from the live event. And that was a clip from a podcast called The Heart. The Heart's Mitra Kaboli joined Serial's Kate Galinsky to explore how they use sound and music to add depth and emotion to their shows. Sup, guys? <laughs> okay, welcome to, uh, we've been calling it War and Love. Um, but that says use your ears, but we call it War and Love because that's like a better name. Um, <laughs> this is a sound design presentation. Uh, my name's Mitra Kaboli. Uh, I'm a senior producer for The Heart, um, which is a show about like love and people's bodies and intimacy. And I'm Kate Bolinsky. I was the music editor and mix engineer for Serial Season 2. Um, I was actually new to the podcast world in November when I was brought onto the team. I primarily work as a sound designer and re-recording mixer in the film and television world. Um, so yeah, it was my first dive into an audio-only audio format, which was actually a, a new challenge for me, but as an audio engineer, you know, you tend to love it. Um, so what we wanted to do today was uh, explain a little bit more about what we do and why it matters. Script writing and interviews and the whole editorial process is really important, but it's just one part of making an audio story. Um, the other big part of it is your sound, which you constantly have to be aware of. You're relying on your sound design choices to orient your listener in a world without visuals, which is a little less second nature. So, like, when you're starting your audio story that you're making, um, depending on what the project is and, like, what kind of aesthetic you want, um, you can choose how you want to use the different elements that we're going to go over right now. Um, so, first, um, obviously, there's narration. So, like, Sarah Koenig in Serial is the host, and she's telling the story the whole time. The host of The Heart, Caitlin Press, my radio wife and collaborator forever. Um, <laughs> Sometimes she's the narrator of the story. Sometimes she's not. We have other storytellers. Um, sometimes we have spirit guides, as we like to call them. Um, sometimes it's me. Check, check. <clears throat> okay, here we go again. Every day, a woman. Every day, a woman walks into her apartment. Welcome, welcome. <sighs> Shit. I just... So. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the next thing is interview tape um, and so that's like your source or the subject of the of the story um, and you can get really creative with this in ways that maybe you're not thinking like I really like to get people outside of an interview like a formal setting so they can just like be real with me for a minute um, like I like to follow people around at work sometimes, if that's an option. Um, so what you're about to hear is this woman named Steffi, and she drives a tractor. And... Ready for noise. How loud? And 
And then the next thing is archival tape, or what I call archival tape, which is any tape pulled from news reports, old radio announcements, old videos, and it sounds like this. Pentagon sources tell NBC that Bergdahl vanished under mysterious circumstances. There have been rumors he left his base unarmed after turning against the war. Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, hero or deserter? And soldiers are engaged in a political smear campaign by raising questions. Parents of some fallen soldiers say their sons would be alive if Bergdahl had not gone missing from his post. In the old days, deserters were shot. what's a performance without Trump um, but yeah and then the next thing would be music which is a really important tool which you can create a lot of emotion and feeling from but you can also use it as a very neutral transition final piece we're going to talk to you about is sound effects, um, which is really any added sound that wasn't in the original scene, um, which could sound like this. Subtle. (laughs) So Kate and I do similar work, but for like super different shows. Um, like the heart is like dreamy um, and also really raw and like each episode we try and make like this special little universe Um, and we're not necessarily like tied to the truth in the same way we do a lot of fiction and sometimes we would like reenact scenes and stuff like that and then on the other hand Serial has a very particular journalistic integrity we had fact checkers crawling through our script to find any detail out of place. I actually think we had a last minute pickup line where we couldn't confirm that Bo was wearing cargo pants and some, instead of some other kind of pants. And so that had to be a whole recording process. But at the same time, I was held to the same standard, so I couldn't create scenes that didn't exist. Um, so I really had to rely on the archival tape, the interviews, and the music. And then it's a matter of pacing that and orienting that against Sarah's narration to make your scene. Um, so the, the one I wanted to show you, the one that actually first comes to mind, is actually just the opening scene for Serial Season 2. Um, and we're going to play it just in case you haven't heard it, or it's just been a while, so I guess you need a refresher. Um, it's the Bergerdahl trade. About a year and a half ago, clips from this video appeared on every major news broadcast. It showed the rescue of a guy named Bo Bergdahl. He was the U.S. soldier who was captured by the Taliban and held captive for just shy of five years. The Taliban made the video. The first thing you see is a couple of guys in traditional Afghan clothes. They've got scarves on their heads or covering their faces, and they're holding machine guns. They're standing next to a silver pickup truck. The front hood is up. In the back seat of the truck, the door is open. A bareheaded figure is sitting with his knees up against the seat in front of him. The camera closes in, And you see this pale young man, and that's Bergdahl. His head is shaved. He looks sort of like a cult leader from a 70s movie. He can't keep his eyes open properly. They're bothering him. He keeps blinking and rubbing them. A wider shot shows that the scrubby, rocky hills all around the truck are dotted with other guys, Taliban, holding rifles or rocket-propelled grenades. One or two of the guys lean in to where Bergdahl is sitting, and they're talking to him. He's looking at their faces. 
One guy says something in Pashto, which is translated on screen as, don't come back to Afghanistan. What I've heard since is that the guy said, do not come back to Afghanistan, you will not get out alive. Black spots appear in the cloudy sky, and you see that they're planes or helicopters. One gets closer and closer, it's a Black Hawk. Then you see Bergdahl again. He's out of the truck now, looking up at the sky. His clothes are too big, billowy. Then, at about six minutes in, right after some cows wander onto the scene, the helicopter lands, dust flies. Bergdahl walks forward, flanked by two men, while three men from the helicopter, the U.S. Special Operations Team, jog toward him. The two sides meet in the middle of the clearing, shake hands, like team captains right before the starting whistle. Bergdahl steps forward. The Americans put their hands on him, pull him towards the Black Hawk while they're walking backwards. They don't want to turn their backs on the Taliban just yet. Bergdahl is walking stiffly, lumbering almost. At the helicopter, they pat him down one more time, and then he's on board. They're up and away. Takes less than two minutes. And it's done. The video cuts off. So, that was awesome. (laughs) Um, So this was like a new season of Serial and like a new topic. Like what did you guys think was like important to establish with that opening scene? So the most obvious thing would, we had to introduce Bo. He was a public figure at that point, but definitely not everyone knew who he was. And it also introduces some of the main components of the season. You have the U.S. Army, you have the Taliban, you have the trade. And then in a more subtle way, we had to introduce a new mood and feeling to the season. It's so drastically different than season one. Even Sarah's relationship to the subject matter is very different. And then finally, ultimately, Sarah had to describe the video she was referring to. Um, So let's see how well she did. They're standing next to a silver pickup truck. The front hood is up. In the backseat of the truck, the door is open. A bareheaded figure is sitting with his knees up against the seat in front of him. The camera closes in, and you see this pale young man. And that's Bergdahl. His head is shaved. So I had never seen the video, but I, until we're doing this, um, but uh, I remember that opening scene super well. There were so many details that Sarah goes through. Like, what did you guys decide was actually important to highlight from that video? So let me show you my session. And I know it looks like a lot. Don't, don't panic. It's fine. Um, actually, it's really manageable once you know what you're looking at. This is Pro Tools. Um, and just really quickly to run through it, um, there is a oh, uh, go back uh, top green line, which is all Sarah's narration. And then right underneath that, you have the clips from the video. And then this last cluster of tracks is all music. And I... These are called stems, and so basically I had my composer split everything out into individual instruments, so I had the most flexibility when I was editing. Um, So yeah, as you said, there's a lot, and there's a lot to listen to, so the pauses in the narration are really important so that your listener can process what's going on, but there were also moments in action um, that directly linked to what she's saying, so it was important to kind of bring those in so you can hear her narrate it, but also hear the actual event. Um, So the first one would be um, actually this little blue region where 
she talks about a group of men, and so I wanted to have you be able to hear that there was met a group of men out there. A wider shot shows that the scrubby, rocky hills all around the truck are dotted with other guys, Taliban, holding rifles or rocket-propelled grenades. And then there's a Taliban member that says, don't come back to Afghanistan, you will not get out alive. Um, and you can hear the corresponding Pashto in the gray. One guy says something in Pashto, which is translated on screen as, don't come back to Afghanistan. What I've heard since is that the guy said, do not come back to Afghanistan, you will not get out alive. And then finally, Sarah introduces the helicopter, and so you can hear it approach and land as she's talking, um, and that's the last Black spots appear in the cloudy sky, and you see that they're planes or helicopters. One gets closer and closer. It's a Black Hawk. Then you see Bergdahl again. He's out of the truck now, looking up at the sky. His clothes are too big, billowy. Then, at about six minutes in, right after some cows wander onto the scene, the helicopter lands, dust flies. So um, I know that you had said that there was like you were working with a composer for this. Like, what, like, what kind of music did you guys feel would like be appropriate? Like, what did you guys talk about when discussing? Like, what would like really put like the scene together? So the most important thing for this scene was we needed neutral music. We needed it to not be too hopeful because that's not what the story is. And we needed it to not be action-adventure because even though it's cinematic, you don't want it to be completely over-the-top dramatic because that's not the style of the show and that's not what we were intending. Um, so there was a lot of discussion and a lot of what we did was you know, pull reference tracks that we wanted them to follow. Um, anything concrete that we could hand to the composer and then um, to create a style. And then there were moments that needed to be hit. So we actually have the music come in when Bo is introduced. And then it's building, but in a very static way, where it's all these very long tones and pads. And then it's not until you hear the helicopter come in that you actually have movement in the piece, which corresponds with the actual action happening. Um, And because we were working with a composer, we could then take this and develop themes and motifs throughout the season so that instead of just something to move the story along, we actually could use the music as an aesthetic foundation. Yeah, so, like, I often use music... Ah, thank you. Um, I often use music as kind of, like, transition, something to bring us in or out of a scene. Um, And so what I'm going to play is, like, maybe the complete opposite of Serial. So this is a love story, um, my favorite kind of story. And it's from a piece called Idiot and Dummy. And um, what I'm going to play is from the very middle of the piece when things are, like, really starting to pop off. <laughs> that was good. That one was for you. <laughs> the okay. purpose for me? Yeah, you. Um, I'll take oh. it. <laughs> I'm going to put on... <coughs> This is my favorite record. Don't, you gonna put on your favorite record? Yeah, this is my like. How do I know it's your favorite? This is my groovy, like sexy record. record. No, no, this is the one I put on when the lady I like so much is coming over. Okay. Oh man, it's so cheesy. <laughs> it's so good though, listen to this. Alright, I'll listen. Oh, this is. <laughs> this is a, a nice. It's very smooth. 
It's a very smooth slide. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth. You're smooth. Come here. No, come here. Come here. You come here. I like you. You're silly <laughs> and fucking dumb as bricks, but I really like you. you. You're drunk. I'm drunk. You're cute when you're drunk, though. I love you when I'm drunk. Only when you're drunk? I love you, like, period. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. You mean it? Yeah. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Yeah. I love you. I love you! <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> say it again. You want me to say it again? Yeah. I love you. Nice. <laughs> you, wanna... you say it again. I love you. No, say it like. I. <laughs> I, I love you. Say the same time. Okay. I, I love, love you. you. <laughs> Say it again. I, I love, love you. you. I love you. That's great. Alright, that's great. Okay, My wheel of fortune spun in the too long in the freight train. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, so I chose to play this because it's actually like super simple um i think that sometimes with like sound design it can sound like maybe there's a lot going on there but as you can see there's like really nothing uh so like the top uh this is caitlin's narration track and this is the scene right here this green line is like volume automation um where i was just you know, controlling the levels because it was uh, recorded just kind of in my room, so we didn't have, like, too much control. Um, and this is music. Um, yeah. So can you explain how the scene actually plays out? Yeah, so um, we acted all the scenes in this episode out, like, in my apartment or in various places. Um, so I'm in the room recording and you can hear that idiot and dummy kind of stumble in idiot sits on the bed dummy is like rifling through records he puts a record on he drops the needle and then they like proceed to fall in love <laughs> um but what happened was like kind of like the best thing ever is at the very end here uh so he just dropped the needle somewhere on the record. It was not the song I told him to play, but, you know, it happens. Uh, but to, like, the best surprise ever, the next song plays, and it starts playing somewhere around here. Um, and you can't super tell, but this is actually the next track on the record that I dragged in an MP3. So as this scene is fading out, this is coming up. Um, we can just listen to it one more time. Say the same time. Okay. I, I love, love you. you. <laughs> Say it again. I, I love, love you. you. I love you. That's great. Alright, that's great. Okay, that's great. My wheel of fortune spun in the too long in a freight train. I love that song. <laughs> 
yeah, so like we super didn't have to use that song. Like I could have faded that scene out like a long time ago, but just like the way in which that happened was so perfect. And we like debated as to whether it was appropriate. Um, you know, Caitlin and I just decided that it was like the best, and so we kept it. That's a really good point. Like you will get happy accidents where you drop something in where you didn't plan on it, but it you know, your music cue ends up hitting every transition or someone improvises a line and it adds this moment of clarity or comic relief, even though it takes you from your original script or from the original structure. And I think that's a huge part of sound design is like, don't be afraid to embrace those and take advantage of them because they're just lucky. Yeah. Like this whole, most of this episode was like improvised in some capacity. You know, there's a script, but we didn't really use it because it was like not natural. So, so maybe we should go back and talk about the technical side a little bit. How did you actually record it? Right. So I have, like, the most basic kit ever that I've scrounged together over the years um, from, like, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-employers. Um, <laughs> so I have, like, one Zoom H4, and I have two shotgun mics, and it works pretty well for me. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of resources for a while, still continue to not have so much. Um, but uh, <laughs> so what I did is I was, like, sitting on the bed, and... Um, uh, so I had originally I had a mic in each hand one for each of them and uh, it sounded really good in my headphones but then when I was actually like bringing it into the sessions it was really hard to work with it wasn't flexible and there was twice as much room ambi and so it was like really noisy Um, then I think I tried I just like used the onboard microphone um, on the recorder and I just sat it on my bed and I like let that record and then what I ended up using is just one shotgun mic for the both of them and I kind of like boom opt like you would for a video Um, and that what is what I thought was like maybe the best take that we used yeah so what's happening at the end of the scene Right. Um, so let's just listen to the end real quick. After that night, Dummy and Idiot became the thing called a couple. But there's one problem. This, this polyamory thing is, is weird. Maybe. Dummy has only ever been part of a couple that is exclusive. I don't want to make you feel weird. I don't want to make you feel like... Idiot is not ready to be a monogamous heterosexual. Dummy agrees to give it a try. So um, the way this story was written, it was written by um, a woman named Julia Alsop, who's like a really badass poet and radio producer. Um, And so this is a radio drama. It's fiction, but it's based on true events. But we kind of, the way it was written, it was to have this like storybook quality where like Caitlin, the omniscient narrator, is like, turning the pages on this this love story um but what we did is you can see um here these are like little cuts of dummies saying things kind of um in not in the foreground like where caitlin is but kind of in the background um to add like an extra like layer of texture and an extra layer of depth to like what would otherwise be like two-dimensional narration like instead of her just telling us what's happened um you can actually well we can actually show you by using these cuts that had been cut like you know from scenes that got deleted and didn't make it but you know somehow made their way back in 
And that's a really good point, actually. I always have inactive tracks at the top of my session to put any discarded audio that you know, we don't want at the moment, but you never know when things are going to flip around or your producer's going to come back and be like, can we listen to that again? And you're like, oh my God, where is it? And then, um, or, or things like this, where you can actually put it in somewhere else entirely and it adds a whole new level of meaning um, that you never intended it for. So I can never stress enough, don't ever permanently get rid of your resources. That's really important. Yeah, and like to that, you know, um, it's like for... This festival, for example, we had had this idea to like build this other thing. So I did all these interviews that and I knew that we were probably going to cut it, but I still did the interviews and I like kept all this tape. Um, And I don't know when I'm going to use it, but like I probably will one day really soon. Like it's just always important to like, I don't know, like take all the opportunities that you can to like gather tape when it seems like it could be something because like you never really know like where it's going to go or what it's going to do and what you're going to use it for and how and like, you know, it just it always keeps coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just building your library, building your organizational techniques. And it's different for everyone. As you get a feeling with it, you'll feel a lot more comfortable and and have different ways of doing it. Um, These are just some ways to kind of get you started. But we did want to leave some time for questions if anyone has any. Oh, so many more. Okay. (laughs) Oh, goodness. There's us. (laughs) Uh, My name is Kelly, and I work at the Lower East Side Girls Club. Hi, Kelly. Mitra has been by. um, So nice to see you. Uh, I have a question um, about the serial piece. How long is the piece, and how long did it take to edit? And I also want to ask you if you compose music at times yourself. Um, So the piece is... Two minutes, 30 seconds. Um, But it was several days of going through. It was longer at one point. We did cut a lot out. Um, We did change. We had several. There were three different music options in there that we went through and ended up with this final piece, like the day of or the day before we needed to air. Um, And um, so, yeah, it it, it was a process because it was such a a weighted moment where you're introducing the season again after season one. Um, so there was a lot of, a lot of work that went into it. Um, yeah. And then, uh, as far as composing, yes, I am a composer as well. Um, I did not for this piece, but I was hired because I do have a musical knowledge and I can act as a, or partly hired because I can have a, I don't know what the word would be. I can act as a moderator between producers and composers. Um, Hi, I don't. Uh, I'm Nanaba Duncan. I'm with uh, CBC Radio in Canada. Um, so oh, I just want. To, I just dropped my phone. I just wanted to go back to your um, piece, and you said that there was some. Uh, uh, you had like extra stuff that was on the cutting room floor or whatever, and you yeah. you brought it back. Uh-huh. When you brought it back, like when we when we listened to it, was it? I didn't. I don't think I was really paying attention. Did did we actually hear the voices? Did you use it as ambient? Like uh, I, you can hear it. Um, it was slightly quieter than Caitlin's narration. I think he says like, "I don't want to be weird, but like this polyamory thing is like not for me." He says something like that. Like just like okay, kind of really just funny. underneath her, but like in the clear. But it's just slightly quieter, which is something that we did throughout this piece and like honestly a technique that we use very often okay great thank you 
Are we picking or someone else? I don't know how this works. Um, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. Um, I'm Carrie Nolan. I work upstairs at WNYC. And, and my question is, when, when you're starting a podcast from the ground floor um, and you have these musical elements that you want to add in and you don't have a composer and you, don't ha- you have to use existing music, mm-hmm. do you, are you at all familiar with what um, would be allowed in terms of fair use or that you would have to pay ASCAP fees or... Things like that. Music is so important. Yeah. And I know that it's probably not even in your purview because you come to it with... I mean, I have used licensed tracks before, and there is... I mean, I usually have to pay. Fair use often relies on it being hundreds of years old in some capacity. Um, I mean, I would, like, advocate if you're, like, working with a budget to, um, like, budget for paying yeah. for music, with maybe not a composer, but, like, paying an artist for their tracks. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're making a project and you're not making any money, like, and, you know, like, there's no commercial value to it, like... <sighs> Just use it till they tell you no? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I'm not... I do not want to advocate for anyone doing anything illegal. Uh, but you, there are, like, Creative Commons music libraries that you can access also, which have tons... Tons of music, but there are still stipulations to that. That's not fair game. Like, okay. there, you, there are still ways to use that. But, I mean, if you're just, like, making this podcast and, like, you're not making any money off of it, like, I don't re- I personally don't think there's, like, any damage or harm in that if you credit the musicians. Okay. Personally, <laughs> that is how I feel. Not speaking as an attorney. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, we no. don't have time for any more questions. Uh, uh. Um, we'll be around, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was Kate Belinsky and Mitra Kaboli speaking at the 2016 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the Harnish Foundation.